Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. In the heart of Birmingham, one team to bring you your week in geek. It's the Geeky Brummy Show every Saturday, 12 till 1 on Brum Radio. And good afternoon and welcome to Geeky Brummy. Anyway, it's me, Greg Grumberg, Mr. Ryan Parrish, <laughs> the Geeky Brummy himself. And I'm here with... Keith, as always, amazing Keith. Hello, yes. Yes, Master of Tall Tales, Mr. Philip Ellis Hello. is with us. And Super Producer Guy has returned. I'm back. You can tell. You, can yes. you can just feel the sleekness of those faders going up and down. oozing into your ears. Or charisant man. But he's wow. looking, he's looking Do you very want me to smart. Turn your mic down, Ryan. <laughs> Right, so this week we've got coming up is the second part of our EJX coverage where we went through a few indie, developer, indie developers including Winlands, JCB Pioneer in Mars, Mantis Burn Racing. We'll be having a quick chat about Westworld. I'll be reviewing a book called The Rise of Io which was released this week. I'm also doing Pound Shop cosplay. I'm missing Pound Shop. Yes, it, it was due for a welcome return and we'll also be having our usual geeky goings on including a little bit of you know, stuff from Star Trek Destination which Keith and I went to yesterday and had way too much fun for adults. Yes. Yes, it was great. This is Greg Grunberg from both Star Movies, Trek and War, and you are listening to Brum Radio. All right, so now we're going to have our second part of our EGX coverage where Guy got to try VR for the first time, didn't you? I was taken to a whole new place. A whole new world. (laughs) (laughs) And as a result of this, my bank bank balance has been taken to a whole new place. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we tried a demo over there called Winlands, which is a PS4 VR release window game, Yeah, which is a bit of a platformer, and I spoke to one of the guys there. We also tried another couple of indie games. We had JCB Pioneer Mars, which is a interesting game where you basically play with a JCB digger in space, which what boy can't dream of that. And we also played Mantis Burn Racing, which is pretty much a 4K version of Micro Machines based uh, from Fufu Studios in Birmingham. That's right. So right around the corner, brilliant little game, brilliant developer, running at 40, uh, 4K and 60 frames per second on the PS4. So quite Sexy impressive. stuff. Yeah. So we're going to have a quick chat about that, and then we'll be back afterwards. Hi, my name's Luke, and I'm the community manager for SciTech Games. Can you explain what Winlands is for those who can't see it? Yeah, sure. So Winlands is a first-person, built for virtual reality from the ground up, exploration adventure game. So the lore of Winlands is it's a massive uh, floating sky city, and you play as a a guardian. So uh, the guardians looked after the world, and there's been some really terrible stuff happening. Uh, There's a really awesome story to it, and your goal is to grab the power crystals that are scattered around the lands. Yeah. So, as you begin the game, you go through the tutorial and introduce you to some of the main mechanics we've got, which are based around locomotion. Mm-hmm. So, we've got big jumps, like classic sort of platformer. Yeah. Uh, we've got wall jumping as well. Right. Uh, we've got the kind of signature thing, the grappling hooks. Um, so, you, you've got two. You've got them on the left and right triggers, yeah. or you can fire both of them. So, so speak, Jaws just calls you three with the type himself and repelled it up to build. Uh, similar, I guess. Um, it actually started off, um, it was... Uh, just a parkour game and the hooks were added to sort of bring interest to the game and it sort of evolved from that because it just became just so much fun so we just combined all these mechanics together and it just we had such an awesome formula and that and that's when like the big worlds came in and you know you've got to traverse and find it's it's about player exploration and finding effective routes through the levels 
And how difficult is it working in VR to compare to a normal traditional 3D block? Uh, well, the, this can be played in, in 2D as well. Oh, right. So it, it was always built for VR, but you can play with a keyboard and mouse. Uh, it's lit, yeah, it's literally up to you. So it's uh, it's awesome yeah. that it's you know people can jump in yeah. with that or with VR. Yeah, because VR is something that's kicking off at the moment in a big way. You've got Oculus Rift, you've got HTC Vive, and yeah. now PlayStation VR yeah. is coming through. Absolutely. And it seems to be a big gaming build-up at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, PlayStation VR, you know, you've got, like, I think there's 170 things that have been unveiled, and there's 50 things that launch. I mean, we're launch window for PSVR. Hopefully, yeah. We're hopefully wanting to be day one, but we're, we're still going through, like, the consultation stuff. But we're, we're yeah. fingers crossed, but it's still launch window for yeah. now. But it, it's so exciting, like yeah. bringing it to console, because there's just there's 40 million consoles in the world, yeah. and you know we've been on PC and we've got a nice, but growing community, yeah. and they're very passionate as well. So we are so excited to be bringing it to the console. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And Steam's really bringing this forward now with their Greenlight program. And their yeah, really yeah, absolutely. I've noticed it's very colourful in the game. It's kind of got that. Yeah. Not to say it, Mario kind of feel to it. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of people um, compare it to Wind Waker, and in fact, on the yeah. Indiegogo page, the main inspiration is Shadow of the Colossus for the big yeah. Titan dudes, and the uh, uh, yeah. art style is Wind Waker, and yeah. that comes out a lot more with the new lighting as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's really awesome too. It's a very relaxing, just like Not beautiful thing take to look at. Your own pace kind yeah, of absolutely. There's no combat. There's no threat at all. Yeah. It's just a really awesome single-player experience. With, yeah. uh, if you played the story for. You know, if you played it casually, it's about six to seven hours worth of story, and then we've got all the side stuff and the collectibles. So you're looking at like well over 25 hours worth of content there to play. It's and nice to have a game which is not all about yeah, combat for a change. Yeah, yeah, for real. And you know, there's a real, there's other like story things in there. So we've got like these collectible tablets scattered yeah. around that builds like this uh, mural. Right in the in the hub, and that's some extra story stuff. And uh, really yeah, cool it's really it awesome. So it, it's down to player exploration. There's some really yeah. cool like secret hidey hole places as yeah. well. And uh, people like it, uh, on the PC, for example, they love going and just taking screenshots. They yeah. just go in and take pictures. Yeah. And it's awesome, and they just share them. They share their speed runs because obviously we got uh, we're very minimal in terms of a heads up display. We've just got the crosshair, obviously, yeah. so you can actually turn on an in-game timer. So for speed runs, I That's think the cool. fastest someone uh, completed it on YouTube was half an hour. All wow. my crystals, yeah, which is main. They did that in VR as well, so cool. it was really cool to see that. Yeah, guys having fun getting to grips with it by the look of it. <laughs> So yeah. um, we've also got a, a mixture of different ways to play. We've got all the cup options, and uh, yeah. one sort of big community thing was uh, back way back in the day, you could grapple the grass, and we wanted yeah. to make we wanted to focus the challenge on finding roots using the yeah. trees and bushes. So um, yeah. you could uh, you could grapple the grass, I think, before. So yeah. we, we brought these difficulty modes in so easy you can grapple anything, yeah. like any terrain, and that's really fun if you just want to play around and have fun and just jump all yeah, over. Yeah, absolutely. Place, yeah. And then normal and hard we increase the challenge so normal yeah. you can only grab bushes and then hard we take bushes out of the levels yeah. and stuff so you've got to use different skills to get around so and that's rewarded with extra things yeah. and such and such so it's, it's awesome there's just so many different ways to play it and yeah. it's really accommodating really accessible yeah. pick up and play but difficult to master i'd say yeah that, that's the best way to have games because it's 
don't want something that's just going to be straightforward and very yeah, easy. Yeah, I mean, people have turned up, they've never tried VR before, and they're yeah. just like, tell me the controls, let's go, and they just breeze through it, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, this is Guy's first ever VR experience at the moment that he's wow. rippling with, and currently he looks completely utterly lost. <laughs> you having fun, Guy? Yeah. It looks like a really fun game. Yeah, so you can see, like, in some places where we've kind of placed things for, like, yeah. to start your momentum, so you can be like, right, left, right, left, yeah. and you can really build up some crazy momentum, it's awesome. We've also got um, advanced hooks as well, so in the minute right. we've got like a preset for the demo, so the hooks pull you in automatically, just make yeah. it a lot easier to yeah. pick up and play. But advanced hooks, you can control the length of so you could start, right. you could grapple and just hang there, then yeah. extend the rope, start swinging, then flick yourself up to get some crazy that's, air, it's amazing. That's really cool, we're doing it. Guys trying to find a grappling hook spot at the minute. Very odd experience to watch somebody playing VR for the first Yeah, it, I, I love VR reactions, there's been like yeah. loads of like just big smiles, they just feel like they've just like been transported yeah. and uh, it's great and everyone's been awesome with feedback, There's lots yeah. of people enjoyed it and uh, no no motion sickness supported by anyone. I think there was one chap who um, we, we put the comfort cage off because we got comfort cages which oh. uh, puts a static mesh in, like in your peripherals yeah. and as soon as that went on he was fine which is great. We put that in there just as an extra sort of measure on top yeah. of the snap turning as well. So uh, oh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, we've really tried to make it as accessible as, as possible really because okay. it is an intense game and we're listed as an intense game. So uh, yeah. Day four now of EGX, how have we found it so far? It's been amazing. We've had really long queues and everyone's been happy and inspired. We, we've actually had people returning like four or five times in a day yeah. they've uh, really really enjoyed it we've you know, we, we recognize them we'll put them through uh, a different yeah. piece of content so it, it's awesome that of uh, love everyone showing us and like yeah this has been in development for three years so it's been a labor yeah. of love for the whole team and yeah. everyone's been amazing and and we've absolutely adored being here it's yeah. been a real cool experience for and that us is all. a really long development time for a small studio like yourself so yeah well I mean there's yeah. probably about 15 of us uh, yeah. we're based all around the world so there's uh, Simo and Ilya Right. Uh, Simo's our sound music and Amistad and Ilya's uh, yeah. he, he was actually the original creator of it they're, they're based in Finland and right. there's some of us in London some of us in Basingstoke yeah. some of us uh, one of our artists Jessica Smith is based in yeah. Australia right. so yeah we all just club together to make this just this awesome thing happen and it's an amazing thing to have that nowadays where you can have a worldwide yeah. collaboration yeah and yeah absolutely well thanks very much for your time no absolutely pleasure I'm here with Tom and Chris who are with Gamesco here at EGX, and they're going to talk us a little bit about JCB Pioneer Mars. Hi, both. Oh, hi, Anna. How's it been so far for you both? Really good. Yeah, it's been a good weekend. Yeah, really busy. Everyone's saying really great things about the game. Oh, really pleased. Yeah. So, you're here with Grim Dark Legacy, JCB Pioneer Mars, and we're going to talk a little bit more about JCB Pioneer Mars now. So, JCB license for a Mars exploration game. How did that come about? I believe we just approached them and said we'd like to do a game. Don't want to do a normal construction simulator. How about diggers in space? Yep. And they loved it. <laughs> Mars, great place to put some JCBs. Yeah. yeah, so just next to one of the giant JCBs with what looked like a massive chainsaw in the front of it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be in the game because there aren't many trees on Mars. <laughs> so. so can you explain about the concept of the game? So you said it's a building game. Yeah, so basically it's a survival slash colony building experience on a massive map uh, with MMO elements with it too. So you're going to be able to do multiplayer and you're going to be able to play your friends, build together, survive together. That's the sort of aim of the game. Yeah. A little bit like Minecraft on Mars. For a, a, little bit, yeah. a little bit. So you're building the Unity engine, so it's all pretty nice looking OpenGL 4 issues. Yeah, actually uh, Unreal Engine 4. Unreal Engine yeah, 4. Yeah. Oh, so. uh, Grimm's Unreal Engine though. Yeah. 
so again, also Houston. Uh, Grim's <laughs> the Unity game, yeah. and JCB is the Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. Yeah. Yeah. So can you explain about the development of the game? How long has it taken you so far? Uh, I believe the development of JCB has taken about 15 months so far. Uh, we've been going through concept, concept phases and then prototype phases and getting you know, those good tech together so that we can have a good sustainable online world. So they're taking launching on Steam soonish. Yeah, so we want to launch on Steam towards the end of this year uh, with both of those games. Yeah. At the moment, they're both available on their websites, uh, which is jcbpioneer.com yeah. and grim.alexi.com. Yeah. So it looks like it's a fun, fun game to go and play with. Um, so, sorry, I'm just going to edit this out. <laughs> trying to think about the best way to do it. So, are you looking into going onto consoles as well, or are you just keeping on PC only for now? Um, at the moment, our only firm plans are PC only, but we're in talks with both console providers. Uh, they both have a lot of interest in the game, uh, so it's something we totally hope to bring out very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for having some time with us, both. That's all right. Been Great. a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. My name's Sean Reed. I'm creative director at Vufu. Um, this is Mantisburg, um, top-down racing game. Uh, so we've got a four-player split-screen, single console, so retro tick boxes ticked, uh, eight-player online, 20-hour-plus 20, 20 single-player campaign, um, really deep upgrade system, uh, 300,000 uh, combinations of upgrade on the top vehicles, um, pretty graphics, and uh, yeah. That's where, that's where we are and coming out soon what, what influenced the game so what sort of were the sort of lead influences I mean looking at Micro Machines springs to mind pretty much yep so I've mentioned I was at Rare so I, was, I started out in testing many many years ago if we didn't have a game in tests all we used to play was multiplayer Micro Machines all day <laughs> to the point where we were fighting and uh, yeah I've always wanted to make a top down racer and Rare never let me so uh, we flew out so <laughs> And your local Birmingham company as well, how do you, do you feel that like, there's quite a good development scene in Birmingham? Or um, To be fair, saying it's the second city, you'd expect it to be the more studios in, in Birmingham there are. Um, obviously Codemasters are there and everything, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of like kind of small indie studios in Birmingham, but it's a great place. I mean, we're smack bang in the middle of in Birmingham, just off Broad Street. Uh, yeah, we couldn't ask for a, a better location, really. It's, it's cool. And it's about half an hour from home. <laughs> Ideal. And um, so what, what sort of platforms is Mantis Burn Racing going to be coming out on? Is it going to be the usual Xbox, PS4, or is it just PC? Uh, so we're currently on Steam Early Access. We have been since July. And within the next few weeks, we're gonna, well, next week we're announcing the exact date, but within the next few weeks we're coming out on... Uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Fantastic. Um, so you've done a few different games before this. You could say you've done your pure, so you've done your pure ball, your pure pinball. What was the difference in development for this kind of, um, well, expanded, much large, larger game for the studio? So I guess the theory behind Mantisburn, the reason we came up with Mantisburn is we. Like you say, we've made games for other people before, but we've always been known for making very pretty games. Um, the realism of our graphics has always been kind of noted. So, so we wanted to, with our first own IP, we wanted to break away from 
the type of games that we've been kind of labelled at making to show we can make other games. But at the same time, we wanted to make it like a boo-foo game. Uh, I'd never made a racing game and always wanted to. The guy that set up Voofoo, before he set up Voofoo, had only ever made racing games. Uh, Juiced, Juiced to Lamborghini, Ford Racing. So we wanted to make a racing game. We knew at the time we started making this, there was eight of us. We knew we were never going to go against Forza or Gran Turismo. So we said, well, let's, make a, let's bring top-down racers back, uh, make it look really pretty, make it play great, and we'll see where we go from there. So... Uh, and how does it like working at an independent studio combined compared to your time working at Rare, which I imagine you know the heyday of N64, you know, was a big studio. You know, Rare Games were a big deal at the time. So how does that compare? Yeah, totally different. So, saying that, I guess when I joined Rare a long time ago, um, the way Rare worked, it was split into teams, so it was almost as if you were working for a small company. They didn't even share tech. So it was kind of that you were working for a small company, but then when Microsoft bought out, everybody you know, there was no share tax or anything like that. And it was, and I was, at the time I was design director, but I was spending more time in meetings than I was actually directing games. So it's very different. I mean, when I when I joined Vufu, it blew my mind. I mean, when I joined Vufu, there were working there was eight of us, and they were working on three games. Uh, I'd been so used to working on a single game for three, four, five years. Um, so yeah, very different. Uh, really productive. Everybody needs to be pushing in the same direction. Um, we don't have too many meetings. We kind of, we kind of. If somebody wants to ask a question, you just lean over the top of your desk and ask them. So it's a, it's a very different environment. It's uh, it's cool. New challenges. And, uh, it's all, it's just what it's all about. And if you had to say what your all-time favourite games console was, what would that be? My all-time favourite games console would be the SNES. Uh, I want to say the N64, which was a great console, but there were so many games that disappointed me from the set. No, I'm going to change it. N64. N64, purely for Wave Race and, uh, oh, yes. and uh, the original Wave Race and, um, yeah, it likes the GoldenEye and, uh, yeah, I guess the N64. My favourites, <laughs> and apart from Manchester Racing, of course, which is going to be your all-time favourite racing game, what would your favourite racing game be otherwise? So my favourite racing game ever is Project Gotham Racing Two. Uh, so at lunch times at Rare back in the day, all we used to do at lunchtime was play PGR Two, the same cars. Ferrari 355s, the same track, Princess Street, Edinburgh, and that's all we ever played constantly. <laughs> and we got pretty good at it, and it was it was a great game. That it's kind of what we brought into Mantisburn, that fine line between sim and arcade. Kind of, it's an easy, t- it's a, it's a diff- no, it's not an easy one. It's a difficult tightrope because, but I, I, Gotham did it so well, and yeah, so. That's thing with watching this game as we're talking to you, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the graphics on it are stunning. Uh, is it 4K, I assume? So we're, we're one of the only three titles currently in production that's native 4K on PlayStation Pro, along with The Last of Us and Elder Scrolls. Um, so, yeah, that, 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're quite proud of that. Yeah, you can really uh, tell. I'll that take, I'll take guys just saw it as a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, but you can really tell how beautiful it is. Yeah, I mean, you. the amount of time it's been spent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we couldn't get 4K TVs, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it looks pretty. It's, uh, yeah, it really does. It looks like a fantastic game. Yeah, and, and split screen, four player split screen, still running at 60 frames. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's been very much missing the last couple of generations of consoles. It seems to have you've lost that party atmosphere, I'd say, on the last couple of consoles where you can get your mates around and have a few. Nowadays, we've not got the portable TVs as well, so we've yeah. all got 50 inch screens, so at least you've got some good real, real estate. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you, not like you're playing it on the 24 inch exactly. in someone's yeah, bedroom. Kind of, yeah. 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 Hey, everybody, John Barrowman here, and you are listening to Brum Radio. So, next week. If Mr. Halford gets his VR headset in time, we might be having a little talk about VR on the show. Well, Game of Promise Me, all pre-orders will be available from Thursday, so I jolly well hope so, because yeah. there's £350 sat in my house waiting for them. <laughs> yes, and uh, we actually... Please don't rob me. <laughs> we, yeah, we actually spoke to John Hibbins from Windlands about the future of VR and which way he wants to take it, so we'll play out a little bit of that next week as well. So that's a very interesting conversation, and we'll put the full interview on the Mixcloud next week also, whilst we're not covering Star Trek destination content as well which is where Keith and I had fun last yesterday lots of fun right lots we fun. were talking on Captain Kurt's show last night about you going on mandates with um, me and Keith and stuff like that yeah mandate there's nothing wrong with that no I did say it was better than um, the the thing we're about to talk about to be fair Kurt gave me the option of what was better Westworld or mandate with you of course I had a mandate with you oh who else wanted to mandate with me? Phil, do you want to go on a mandate with Ryan? I'm getting really left out. To be <laughs> Phil will arrange a mandate at some <laughs> So, Westworld. Phil hasn't seen it. I yeah, I've I've, I've just been really really busy this week, so it's it's the one sort of form of pop culture that I haven't um, binged yet. Um, yes, who verified to watch the show of the year? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, yeah, all the, the marketing for it looks really good. I, um, I, I, you know, just just to do the humble brag thing again. When I was at South by Southwest earlier this year, I did get into the JJ Abrams panel and they did show us a little sneak reel of it, and it did look incredible. So I will be uh, catching up on that this weekend. But you guys, you guys saw it and you guys loved it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Try and avoid spoilers, but yes. um, don't don't avoid spoilers. I haven't <laughs> seen it either, as a, as a non Sky Atlantic customer. <laughs> yes. I, I was gripped from the from the, from the get go. Yeah. I um, was, it was unexpected. Some of the things that happened. Yeah. In fact, something up in one sentence, as I said, uh, when we was um, off air, it's pretty much Paul Verhoeven directing Groundhog Day for the first episode. It's confusing. You need yes. to pay attention. So the show pretty much the first. What the, one of the days there, three or four different times to show you how much the world changes between each version of the story that goes out for that day. What okay. what I f- was what thing I walked away with. I'm yeah. wondering if it's canon with the film, because there's a reference to something happening 30 years yes. ago, which would kind of make and it probably play would, on the yeah, film. It, it, I mean, the thing with the film was they were very much and very obviously androids in it, mm. whereas this they're they look and feel and react the same as human beings. So are are the AIs played by humans? Yes, yeah. they are. Okay. So it's quite similar to humans, the TV show on Channel Four, and it's like you yes. can't really tell the difference between a human or a host, as they call them. The hands aren't uh, misleading anymore. No, right. So it's very difficult to tell who's 
playing what in in the show unless they telegraph it and say this is definitely a host or this is definitely a human you mm. don't really understand who's who Isn't I that thought something they're playing up with the Ed Harris character yes there's a bit of, quite a bit of ambiguity about whether well, he's, he's just a guest or he's just described as a newcomer who nobody can he's mm. basically invincible in it Right, so sort of halfway through the the season, will we can expect a surprise reveal where a character was revealed to be a robot? Then that's that's going to be happening at some point. Well, I think again, not too many spoilers, but I think people who you potentially expected not to be robots might be. Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah. yeah. And possibly vice versa. Though. Some of the hosts might actually turn out to be former humans. Possibly, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot. But, it sets up a yes. lot. I mean, the opening credit scene is amazing, where they show mm. you the development and how they build the robots. It's pretty much just a walkthrough and how does it. So, if you've ever seen the film Lord of War, when they're going through the factory at the very start, of the film was their film trailer. Up until the bullet being fired, it's kind of that kind of feels from you get from it. I'd say. Yeah, I believe it's the same people who made the Game of Thrones credits, and the musician is the same as well. So, yes, yeah. uh, spot on with that in terms of production. It, I mean, the show looks great. Yeah. Um, it's big budget TV. It's you've got Anthony Hopkins back, who's been sorely missed from the acting fraternity for quite a long time, I think, because he is a brilliant actor. I mean, I had my worries about it because I knew there was delays when making it. It's been delayed by two months, apparently trying to nail the ending. So yeah, I was a little bit sort of dubious when going into it, whether it was actually going to be good or not. But no, I'm, I'm happy with it so far. So Yeah, I mean, I think they picked a strong cast. You've got James Marsden, um, Bryce Dallas Howard, as you mentioned, Thandie Newton. So quite a strong casting list for an ensemble cast that they picked this time. It's I mean, like it, movie star yes. levels of, of and you can tell, there, yeah. And you can tell they spent an utter fortune on this. It's nice as well to see the underrated Jeffrey Wright getting quite a prominent role. Yes. He's such a good actor. He's, He's a brilliant actor, yeah. He yeah, really I mean, doesn't get The last thing work. that people really saw him in was uh, either the Bond films or... The Hunger Games. <laughs> Hunger Games. Or he did have a little... He had a recurring character in... And now I've completely forgot the name. Steve Buscemi Prohibition series. Oh, Boardwalk, Broadway Empire. Boardwalk Empire. I turned up in the last two seasons of that when he had a really good role in that as well. So it's nice to see him in there. It's another HBO series, isn't it? Yes. So d- is it fitting into that stable that they've developed in terms of their kind of programming? Yeah, like I think. High quality storytelling yes. with boobs. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean. Was there boobs in this? There was boobs, yes. Uh, I mean, it's going to be um, uh, it a, sort of a, a saloon slash brothel with with wenches played by robots. Surely, at some point, there's going to be some sort of. Icky oh, that was in the first fifteen in minutes. Of course, there is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very much an adult show, and it's TV but, done but for adults. TV for adults in that it's got adult themes and ideas, or just that it it's got gratuitous nudity. Because Both. There is okay, okay, yes. okay. I mean, I think it's going to touch quite a lot on existential dread for quite a few people and it's like am I who I am or am I somebody that's programmed for this kind of thing and I think they're running on that theme quite heavily already of Mm -hmm. what happens if an AI wakes up or what happens if you think you're a a human but you might actually be a robot or something like that it touched quite a lot well well now now you've got me wondering (laughs) yeah because it touched am I a guys am I a robot Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. you are, because you've been verified and officially yeah. makes you a robot. <laughs> yeah, if you ever watch... I've been replaced. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the Battlestar Galactica reboot with Ronald D. Moore, they're touching mm. on quite a few similar themes, I think, across this episode of what makes a human human. Yeah. 
Okay. Right, your lovely wife has gotten in touch. Has she? She says, don't you mean Evan Rachel Wood? Evan Rachel Wood. It's one of those. It's it's a three, three thing you it's name. It's a three named actress with a man's first name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So apologies to Bryce Howard, that Bryce Howard Dallas and Rachel Evan Wood. I'm sure they're both listening. Yes. Well, Bryce of course Howard they are. Howard Phil Howard. In the, um, she's in the new series of Black Mirror. Maybe ah, that's so probably I, where I got the trailer for that dropped yeah. yesterday. Yes, yeah. that, that looked really interesting. I am very it seems we're in for a good run of a strong dark strong TV show yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's autumn now so there needs to be you know if we're going to be stuck indoors every evening then there needs to be something you know, something good on and yeah. that was that was directly from a verified Twitter user it's autumn not fall <laughs> it's autumn <laughs> yes fall is when you fall over <laughs> not uh, leaves I, I, went, I, I saw on Instagram some uh, a British person I know used the hashtag fall and it was like that was an instant unfollow I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> that, I, I cannot condone that yeah when it gets a bit icier later in the year the hashtag fall quite happily oh, I'll be hashtag falling over yeah. a lot then yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no it's autumn how many episodes is Westworld running for ten yeah so it's quite a lengthy amount of time because this first episode ran for just over an hour was it something like that yeah yeah, yeah. and now it's time for how shop cosplay So we're back, and uh, as you've just heard, it's now time for Pound Shop Cosplay. This time around, it's uh, Mr. Ryan Parrish. <laughs> and, um... Oh, he's come as a chav! <laughs> <laughs> I, I... Okay, so I'm seeing a hoodie, I'm seeing a bow and arrow, and I'm seeing some... Is that blackface? It's black... <laughs> <laughs> it's a blackface! Black eyeshadow. Black eyeshadow. Um, I... I am clueless as to, as to what this I is. I think he's been beaten up in a fight. <laughs> So who I know, I know who, who he is. He wears a hoodie and has a bow and arrow. He's Arrow. I am the Arrow. Oh, okay. the TV Arrow. Oh, green Arrow. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm mint Green Arrow today because I don't have a dark green hoodie. I, I, well, I saw a hoodie and I immediately yeah. thought ET. <laughs> 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 but then, <laughs> then the, um, the 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 sort of um, panda eyes yes. and uh, Stephen <laughs> Amell and yeah. bow and arrow confused me. I think Ryan needs to give us his best Arrow voice to go with it as well. Philip Ellis, you have failed this city. <laughs> I, I love that you've quickly ran out there and just put this like eye makeup on. Like you obviously just literally rubbed it around yes. your eyes really quickly. Um, and you know. I looked awesome with my glasses on over the top. What, what are you going to do if you get a Phoenix Knight situation and you can't get that off now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually have dark circles under my eyes. Anyway, but these are probably a bit more extreme. The uh, ground total cost of this outfit was two English pounds. Nice. So a pound for the bow and arrow and a pound for what? I mean, what is that? Pound, f- pound for the black eye makeup, which <laughs> is pound and spe- pound and special fancy dress rage for Halloween. I cannot. I was just off, off, off the air. I was just saying how much I'm looking forward to Halloween. I can't yes. wait to get into my makeup for that. Mm-hmm. And green jeans and green hoodies, model zone. <laughs> a, the main part of the costume. Hello, this is Martha Hackett. I played Seska on Voyager, and you're listening to Room Radio. I am now here with Zoom UK, who are purveyors of Star Trek DVDs and Blu-rays. Hello. Hello. Hiya. So I'm here with Steve and Amber. And can you explain about why Zoom is a different kind of DVD and Blu-ray company to the traditional off-the-shelf purchases? Well, I suppose we, because we're owned, we're owned by uh, Universal and Sony Pictures combined. So I suppose we have a lot more access to sort of content, and that's key for us is to get closer to the content try and give people, um, fans and stuff like that, information, videos, all that kind of stuff. Immerse themselves a bit more in the content, 
Um, but we are owned by studios, and we also have lots of, we're bringing lots of other people on board, like we brought on Disney, BBC, Elevation, and we're looking to bring more people on board as well. And you're here with a very beautiful special show price yeah. edition version of the original series with pretty much everything in there from the original series cast collective and how long does it take to put something together like this? I mean what's great is that when we, we hear from the fans what they want and so and then the people within our office we feed that back to them so this has been put together with like remastered the option for to either watch in the original format or with remastered and that was something that was fed back from the studio to the studio with what the fans wanted so that's what makes it unique that we have that interaction and there's like sort of no middlemen. That package is really good because it's got the animated series in Blu-ray for the first time as well. Yeah, first time I've seen it around. When you're picking out things for a collection like this, I mean, you've probably got millions and millions of extras that you could probably pick out and throw in there. How does the process go with choosing what you think? Is it more, fa- as I said, fan feedback on what they want for extras and what they want to see behind the scenes or is it kind of picking your favourite? For Star Trek in particular, there's a very special lady called Emma. She's the queen of Star Trek and actually she organised this today. So today when we've uh, obviously been training the staff, uh, they'll pick up uh, anything and uh, Emma, is this remastered? Is this? And she, so she's the one that will put the pieces together, uh, which yeah, is very special. She's got the, the knowledge of it all. And we picked all the kind of things we think will appeal to the fan base and you can probably see that we've got some very special pricing which is just geared towards the fan base, you know, and quite a lot of the products we've got here today with a few specials. And obviously you can order things that are only exclusive from Zoom as well. So we do have two exclusive steelbooks um, like Beyond with the Lenticular and stuff like that. So, and I think a lot of that is based on what people want, you know, what people are fed back to over the years to Paramount and to the various people who look after Star Trek. Brilliant, thank you very much. And where can we find you online? Zoom.co.uk And if you sign up to our newsletter on Zoom.co.uk you get 10% off your first order. Right, that's pretty much it for us this week. We'll be back next week with more Star Trek coverage and including a few interviews, including the amazing Greg Gunberg. So really looking forward to that. Uh, you can find us online, Twitter, Facebook, Geeky Brummy. At Philip Ellis Verified. Philip Ellis Verified. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is Greg Grunberg, and you have to trek before you war. You are listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. Um, good afternoon. Hello. 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 We're here. <laughs> We're on Brum Radio. As you probably guessed, good afternoon. It is the Geeky Brum Show with myself, Ryan Parrish. Producer Guy is in attendance, as per usual. He's just not going to speak. Dramatic no, pause. He, he always has to do a dramatic pause, which will then yeah. have to fill whilst he does these dramatic pauses. Shall we just move on? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we have returning original producer Hooray. and now guest, Mr. David, award-winning Mr. David Massey. Thank you. Award-winning. Award. And thank you for saying I'm award-winning. Thank you. Is so this because we can't take the mick out of Phil for being verified today? So no, now we're, we're doing award-winning award Dave Massey. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like that's teasing me <laughs> by telling me I've won an award. <laughs> And the return of George. I'm back. back. Hello. It feels like it's been forever. It's been, I know. What, three weeks. So yeah, so, so I haven't been in the studio in. for three yes. weeks. Yeah, You've I appeared by a phone. Yes. By phone. Right, action pack show this week. We're going to be talking about all about the world of Star Trek as it's its 50th anniversary. We'll be talking about a little bit about the world of VR. Um, start the 
Star Wars Rogue One trailer came out, so we mentioned in that. And George has a special event to talk about later on as well. <laughs> Hi, I'm Max Gredenchik, and you are listening to Brum Radio. Oh, I like the way that sounds. Brum Radio. Right, so now onto the wonderful world of Star Trek and its 50th anniversary. So we were at Destination Star Trek Europe Woo-hoo. last week. Yeah, last it was week. last weekend. It has. It was so, because it was the Friday that we went. Yeah, Dave, Keith, and I went on the Friday for a bit of a run round with Dave exploding in <laughs> cheer. <laughs> Fanboyness. Yeah, fanboyness. And then George got to go in his cosplay. I did, yeah, with the, the lovely Dark Leo, yeah. Um, they had their uh, fantastic cosplay guest and I got to go and be a plus one to the gorgeous Tesseract cosplay. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we got to speak to quite a few people. I mean, did you get a chance to chat to anybody, George? I know you waved at Will Wheaton. Honey we waved at Will Wheaton a bunch of times, yeah. Yes. We probably really freaked him out. Poor guy. <laughs> Sorry, Will. <laughs> didn't mean if to be listening. weird. <laughs> Hopefully. We, we didn't get to wave at Will Wheaton because he was at Cadbury World when we were there. Yes, he was eating Yeah, lots he arrived Friday evening and yes. we, we were still there and he went to have a little play on the original bridge and we sat and were like, hi, Will, hi, Will, like weirdos. So that was good. <laughs> Kept our call. Really professional. <laughs> Uh, we did get to talk to a few people. We were uh, organising stuff for the world record attempt, which was pretty awesome. So we were chatting yes. with a lot of people then. And that was the most people in... Most people in Star Trek costumes, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if the record has yet been confirmed by Guinness World Records, but it should be okay. I believe I the, think it it's 1,137 people, I believe. I did think it had Which smashed confirmed. it from 1,063 last time. That is an entire crew. Yeah. Entire crew. How many captains were in there? Quite a <laughs> lot. There's been a few fights for that chair. Yeah. <laughs> it is quite funny seeing people decide what rank they're going to be yes. on uh, in in cosplay when they're they're dressed in Star Trek outfits because there were quite a few admirals walking around. Yes, quite a yeah. few captains I noticed. Yes, and I was a bit like, oh, do you think that you're in charge, dude? <laughs> I did witness a lot of discussions about proper positioning of pips. Yes, for that for that kind of reason, yeah, how to denote your rank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was good fun. I mean, we got to chat to loads of people. We wandered around. I did. I don't think they bought a triple. I did buy a triple, yeah, so and then I annoyed, I annoyed my entire household with a triple, and I've been banned from letting the triple be switched on while it, there are animals in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most fun part of the triple experience was you on the train, <laughs> home, <laughs> just randomly it's, going off every five it's, seconds. It's it was it's a sound activated triple, yes. um, and it's also activated by movement. So all you had to do was clap near the bag, and the whole bag would move by itself. Yes, um, it was it was a, a brilliant, brilliant experience. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I mean, thanks to le- thanks to um, Showmasters for letting us go. Yeah, down and hundred, hundred, yeah, a thousand thank yous yeah. uh, for letting us do that because we got to hang around for the day. Um, we uh, then pounced on famous people to interview them as well, and yeah. I think some of those are going to be coming up. Yeah, we're just coming up right now. Yeah. So we got chance. We got chance to chat to Greg Rumberg from. Star Trek, Star Wars, Alias, Fringe, Felicity. Heroes, every, everything. Felicity and Friends. Yes. Alias. Yes. No, I know him from Heroes. Uh, it was really good. We got a chance to chat to Eddie Paskey, who was in more episodes in the original show than Sulu or Chekhov. Is that wow. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, that's that's cool. amazing. Uh, he was one of pretty much, he's in the background of every episode. Red shirt. Yes. Uh, Dominic Keating, 
Yes. Connor Trenier, Dominic Keaton, you might remember from Desmond's as Desmond's. well as Star, <laughs> as well I as couldn't, Star I Cricket. I couldn't go and always. talk to him because I was only going to ask him about Desmond's. Yes. <laughs> got is that that barber show shop? Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes, uh, still on E4. Had a great theme tune, that's yeah. it. Yeah, also Connor Trenier, who was Trip in Enterprise, Martha Hackett, who was Seska yeah. in yeah. Star Trek Voyager, and Garrett Wong. Harry so Kim. Harry Kim, yeah. So yeah. quite a few great people. All right, so we're going to jump into some interviews now, and we'll be back shortly. This is Greg Grunberg from both Star movies, Trek and War, and you are listening to Brum Radio. Being the star of so many special sci-fi franchises, you've been in Star Wars, Star Trek, Heroes, Heroes Reborn. Do you think sci-fi is becoming a bigger thing again after it had a bit of a lull? Yeah, I can't get out of it. I want to do comedy, man. I was on Alias and I would, everybody else would run into the room with a gun, I'd run into the room with a calzone. Like I was trying to, to add levity, but yes, and I'm so lucky and I'm honored. Like I've never been to a Star Trek convention before and they asked me to come and not only come, but host a bunch of these panels. And so for me, it's, it's thank you. It's just such an honor. And I think that the audience, and I've said this for years, the audience is smarter in the sci-fi world. So it makes for more challenging writing. So, so cream rises to the top. You know, yeah. I'm working on a show right now that I, I can't even talk about, but it's, it's so good. And Heroes was kind of brought, you know, sci-fi back in a different way, character-driven, you know, to TV. And then now all these other shows are, you know, wiping that, the slate with, with Heroes. They're so good. So, um, yeah, I think it's here to stay. And it's only getting bigger and bigger. Comic-Con's an example of that. How do you find the reactions that people give to you on social media when uh, work that you've done has gone on TV or into the cinemas uh, at the movies? Um, it's much more instant today. How, how does that difference feel? It's, it's fantastic. You know, when, when I started off as an actor, it, you didn't want to read fan mail. You didn't want to hear about fan fiction because it was too close to that. You know, someone would send something in and the creators of the show would say, don't look at it because we might have an idea and they're going to think we're stealing their idea. Now, it's so immediate. Even though these things are, we'll shoot something and won't come out for another three months. But to get the immediate reaction that we get, you know, on geeking out, it's just so great. People on the street are going, you know, who you, should, you should interview. You should have Jim Lee and you should have this guy and that guy. And we go out and get them. It's great. It's it's like having a collaborator in uh, the fandom. And it's wonderful. I always remember when I was a kid, people used to have to write to the TV stations and how long that would take to do or phone up and ask for things. I still, so I still get a lot of fan mail and it's it's written and people send me things. I'll tell you, if it doesn't come with a self-addressed stamped envelope, I keep those photos. <laughs> Thanks for sending me photos of me. It's it's the terrestrial sort of fan mail is wonderful. And it's, but the, but the great thing about Twitter, I respond, I'll do a thing where I just say, okay, we're, we're all, you know, any questions you have. And it's from, from epilepsy to, you know, a show that I'm on to my book, my graphic novel that's out. It's great. And it's a way for you to sort of have your, you know, really control your own brand um, and also see what's hot i mean i uh, visited the, the set of the flash and i tweeted about it and it was insane like I, I knew that show was popular but not like this i was like grant you're elvis presley dude this is crazy and he's like yeah it's nice you know so it's 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 interesting as an actor you can kind of go oh that's where a lot of fans are maybe i should be on that show maybe i should do that you know so it's nice are you, are you planning to do things while you're in birmingham you've got a busy schedule this uh, three days while you're here yeah i'm three days here and then i'm going into london to see f uh, friends and family and then i'm going to uh, berlin comic-con i'm going to host uh, a few things there <clears throat> and then I go back and then I'm work, you know working this this fit into my schedule nicely I usually I'll commit to something like this and then inevitably once you book a flight you know work comes up and you can't can't do it so this was nice this is really nice and also this is incredible this is so historic and I know they've had several different uh, around the world you know these guys have been on a whirlwind tour but for me to be welcomed into this family I, I play Finnegan in beyond and it's 
it was an honor to be in the movie and I you know I have a small role but it was nice it was a nice role like Snap Wexley wasn't Star Wars but these guys I mean they, they established characters that have lived on and will live on forever I'm honored I truly am honored like not in the same you know I was I was in awe and I was just I, I flustered on start to start wars in the presence of these guys I'm the same way it's crazy we dropped hints about being in the next next Star Trek film saying that Chris Hemsworth wants to come back and be in that one. yeah there's no hints I, I all I do is badger and plead and beg. That's that's been my relationship with you know JJ is my best friend in the world. We've known each other. We've known each other since we were five. So uh, yeah, it's it's a constant thing where I'm like, but I want to work with. Justin Lin was amazing, and, and I wanted to work with him, and we had a really good time. I, I, again, I had such a small role, but it was it was great. Zach and I obviously did Heroes together, so I have a history with some of these people. And um, but JJ, yeah, I'm constantly pestering him for work, and and more more than work, it's now it's just let's hang out together let's work on this together 50 years of star trek now it's been reinvented for a new audience but you also got star trek discovery coming up soon would you like to be involved in star trek discovery if they asked absolutely brian fuller is uh he ran heroes and so you you got to know that i reached out with a congratulations going hey dude congratulations by the way i would love to be i'm in the family now so uh, i've already put the uh feelers out it's got to be the right role i just am in such a um i'm not trekkie but I'm a fan. I'm a bit, you know, I really respect and love what this franchise has, has been for 50 years now. So yeah, I'd be honored. It'd be amazing. But you have to promise me that, that if I go back on Star Wars, that you'll be my stunt double. Oh, definitely. Okay, perfect. Definitely. You're very Snap Wexley. So. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, time. pleasure meeting you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very, 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 and if you haven't realized, I'm very excited today. I'm trying to be ridiculously calm, but we just spoke to Matt Parkman from Heroes off of the telly. I don't, and and he asked Ryan to be a stunt double. Original cast. What's it like being part of a family that's now celebrating its 50th anniversary? What do I think? I think it's very, very honor to be there, especially after 50 years of, of joy that, that he gave me and he gave us all stuff that, that is just unreal. Some of the stuff that Gene brought, Bill brought, DeForest, a lot of them, you know, myself. We had, we, we had the cream of the crop of people come by and just let me, let us know how much we're loved. It was just great. You've managed to see all the different iterations so far. We've got Star Trek Discovery coming up soon. Do you enjoy how the show's developed and changed over the 50 years that it's been on? When they went into uh, Next Generation and all of the other people there, they all came out to Star Trek originally. And it was really kind of neat to see what has developed from the original uh, original Star Trek. So what do you think of the European fans as opposed to the Americans? Have you visited Europe and Britain often in the past? And is there a difference between the fans in each country? Uh, a lot of people. I was here before in Dusseldorf and also London three times. And it's just been really interesting to watch people's reaction as we, we become Star Trek. It was kind of neat. Thank well, you very much. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you. And thank you for being part of something that's been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right, people. This is Dominic Casey here. And you're listening to Brum Radio. I played Lieutenant Malcolm Reed on Enterprise as a, uh, as a proper gentleman. So 
Uh, what do you think about being part of a family now that's celebrating its 50th anniversary and what you, would you look forward to seeing happen to Star Trek in the next 50 years? Well, uh, the first part of the question, it's bloody fantastic, mate. Uh, it really is. What an honour. Um, I mean, who'd have thunk it? Um, I kind of had an, eye, an inkling when I got the job that, that I'd got, you know, I was in something. I was the first one out of the gate, to be honest, to do the conventional world. My castmates, including kind of like, oh, you're going to do those things? And uh, I'd seen Trekkies, that first documentary, and as long as that dentist didn't show up, <laughs> I was like, I could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I paid up, uh, turned up to set with my brand new BMW, paid for with cash, <laughs> they were like, where do we sign up, boys? And um, God bless, I mean, 15 years now. We've been, I've been doing these, and uh, I want to say also, you know, all the shows, because of this phenomenon, we all get to travel around the world, and we, we're all one big family. We really are, and it's a pretty happy family at that. And it's, uh, I've made really, really long-lasting, you know, meaningful, lovely f relationships and friendships through this job. Uh, Connor is still, to this day, one of my best and closest friends in the whole wide world. So, you know, it's a win-win-win-win-win-win-win situation. Uh, I'll tell you, fans, you've kept me in my house. <laughs> God bless you, because, you know, the, an actor's life, the career goes up and down a bit like a roller coaster. And uh, there are lulls, and, uh, but there's always this uh, added appendage, this annuity to the job, which is coming around. And uh, I used to liken it to being Brad Pitt for the weekend, but I'm not so sure I'm going to use that euphemism anymore. <laughs> Star Trek is returning to the small screen with Star Trek Discovery coming up soon. If they offer you a cameo role, would you be willing to head back? I, uh, I hope so, Mr. Fuller. Uh, you know me, and you're a very handsome man. Um, yeah, I know Brian quite well. We, uh, we, we know each other through the family. He, um, we all had dinner a couple of years ago in Vegas. He actually was not allowed to go to the convention in Vegas this year. So, uh, that was CBS's... Uh, request that he not go because they want to keep the show very quiet and under wraps it'll be in good hands with him uh he he's a very talented man he he's he's a very got a great eye i've heard rumors about the show uh, which i'm not going to divulge but from what i've heard it's going to be very interesting and uh, not your not your usual episodic Star Trek show. Uh, Feast on that, ladies. So you've got a, a queue building up. So it's good, good to, to see you. Thank and you very as much. As a local lad as well from Leicester originally, oh. yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> good. Thank good to much. see you. Thanks very much. Cheers. Hi, this is Connor Trenier. You're listening to Brum Radio. Previously, you were the, the you were the earliest in rendition of Star Trek with with Enterprise. What are your thoughts on uh, Discovery? And would you like to perhaps do a little cameo in an episode of the oh, new show? Yeah, I think it's exciting to have the show back on. You know, another show, another iteration of the franchise. I think it's exciting. Would I do an episode or would I be on it? Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, this is Martha Hackett. I played Seska on Voyager, and you're listening to Room Radio. How are you finding your experience this weekend? I haven't been to Birmingham. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, it's my first time. So I've got to go into the city tomorrow night or maybe tonight. Yeah. Well, I just want to walk around, have some dinner, you know, see the sights. How does it oh, it feel to be involved in a legacy uh, that is a 50-year legacy? Well, you know, when I, when I first booked this job, or many of the jobs that I booked years and years ago now, I, I, at the time, I realized I was part of TV history because no matter what level, uh, Star Trek was TV history then, you know? So um, I've always been happy and proud to be part of it. It's been great fun, and I've 
love meeting folks at all the, the conventions and things like that. So it continues. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and how does it feel to be able to um, go around the world uh, for, for roles like this and uh, to, to meet the public who are um, excited and passionate about the, the work that you did with Star Trek? Well, it sort of proves to me that it has a bit of a profound effect on people. I mean, the fans are dedicated and they're all ages and now there's a new generation being introduced to the show with their parents. And um, it kind of took me by surprise. I, the first convention I went to many years ago was in Germany and it was so huge. And uh, to meet fans from all over Europe, it was really exciting. So. It's been great. Hi, this is Garrett Wong. I played Ensign Harry Kim on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to the Geeky Brummy Show on Brum Radio. With Ensign Harry Kim and Voyager being a very different series, Deep Space Nine being into the unknown Delta Quadrant, did you really enjoy having a different take on Star Trek? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that um, all the stakes were higher with Voyager. You know, literally, I mean, there's no... Like TNG, Deep Space, if they, if they ran into a problem, they had backup. They could call Starfleet Headquarters, right? There's no calling Starfleet Headquarters from the Delta Quadrant. So, yeah, I, I, th I thought it was definitely a, a, a fantastic take to take. A fantastic take to take, yeah. There you go. Yeah, and you had a really different um, crew atmosphere. It felt like the crew was very pulled together because of that situation. Uh -huh. And how did you find the crew interaction having that small group of characters? I, th I thought we gelled well. I think that everybody on that show is, is supremely talented. The only downside is... They never really utilized everybody's comedic abilities. I think that every cast member on Voyager was supremely funny in their own right. But if you watch Voyager, your automatic assumption is that Bob Picardo, the doctor, is the only funny person on the show. And that is so not true. Bob is a great actor. He's a very funny man. But everyone else is as equally funny as Bob Picardo. But nobody knows that because the executive producers were too, you know, yeah, yeah. They went, well, yeah. I mean, they just like, well, you know. It, we're not going to give any comedic moments to anybody else but the doctor. It's like, okay, whatever. So that was my one, my one um, complaint about the show. Yeah. So what's it like being part of a family that's now a 50-year-old family that's got all this history? You've got your own show with Voyager. How do you see that kind of uh, history going forwards? And what would you like to see happen in the next 50 years of Star Trek? Uh, I would love to see Star Trek continue, obviously. Um, it's just, it's wonderful and it's an honor to be a part of something that's been around for 50 years. And uh, when I got here the other day, um, I was actually the first actor to get here. And one by one, other actors started popping up and we all met at the lounge and we're sitting there. And I turned to the Connor Trenier from Enterprise and I said, you know what this is like? This is like we're all... We're all cousins, and every convention we come to is a family reunion. And we meet up, and we laugh, and we talk, and we drink, and we have fun, you know. And it really is like that. I mean, it's it's a family it's a family feel for sure when we see each other, whether we're on Deep Space or, or TOS or or TNG or Voyager or Enterprise. You know, it's just it's it's a wonderful feeling. Actually, I'm very honored to be one of forty something main. I don't know the exact number, but forty something main actors in Star Trek that are still alive today. Yeah. Small fraternity. How do you find the way that uh, the tech that was used in uh, Star Trek has been adapted into the real world? I, w I went to a, a, an exhibition in Blackpool, yeah. uh, which is about two hours north of here, yeah. and they had a, a pad a communicator pad from yeah. uh, Next Generation. Yeah. And I was just holding my phone, which does millions of things right. in it. Um, how do you find that? Because you were having to act with fake, fake tech, essentially, yeah. for that. How, how's that? Um, what, what's your uh, what's your feelings towards the tech that was in in Star Trek that is in the real world? Well, there? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I always feel very proud 
to, to know that I'm part of a show that has influenced so much of the tech that we use today. You know, it really is. Um, uh, I mean, the, the jumps in technology that we've had in the last 20, 30, 40 years is just, it's incredible. <laughs> it really is incredible. Which, you know, leads me to believe that there is some reverse engineering going on. Because <laughs> you, can't, you can't go from horse and carriage and, and the telegraph, you know, do, 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 to, to the iPhone. How did that happen so quickly? Well, something crashed somewhere and they reverse engineered it. Nobody, and the governments just won't, they, they won't admit to it. That's the bottom line. They, there has to be. There's no way you can go that fast and that quickly. But, uh, but it is amazing how with the original Motorola flip phone and was invented because they watched Star Trek, you know, with the communicator flipped open. So, and it's funny because we've always, you know, they, Apple calls it the iPad and we've always called it a pad, a personal access display device. And, and Voyager, Robbie McNeil always made fun of it. He was, he'd say, Hey, let me look at your pad. Cause there's an extra D on there. He's like, can I see your pad? I'm like, yeah, here's my pad. So yeah. Thanks guys. Nice meeting you. You're listening to geeky brummy on Brum radio. But now, first ever VR experience being by myself. So we're here with John now. Lead developer uh, on the game, right? Juicer, really. But yeah, I absolutely do development. I mean, yeah. a team of eight made this game, so there's I can't take all credit. Yeah. There's amazing people doing amazing stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's been in development for about three years. Yeah, about three years. It's been abandoned. Started an Oculus Jam. Yeah. Uh, and here we are, three years later, Oculus Five, and now PlayStation VR, which is what we're showing today. Yeah. So Steam VR is a big thing that's come out recently. It's having a real big pickup. So how do you find developing for Oculus, which have very specific tech requirements, versus Steam VR, which is a bit more of an open Well, those platform. two are really, really close. Yeah. They're developing Unity and the plugins are just yeah. really, really comparable. And the technology, you know, they're both for enough uh, powerful PC. Yeah. Uh, they both require a decent video card, like a 970 or above. Yeah. And they both, you've got luxury of big, powerful CPUs and boxes. Yeah. Yeah, PlayStation's a difficult fish. Yeah. PlayStation's obviously uh, not a big, yeah. powerful PC master race, <laughs> but you know, we've, the benefit of the PlayStation is the hardware's controlled, so you yeah. can optimize to it. Well, now you've got uh, the two versions there, so you've got the PlayStation and the PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah, actually, this is running on box standard PlayStation today. Right. We're running at 90 frames a second. Yeah. We're running at 1.4 over sample. You know, it's yeah. really, really running rock solid. There's no, I mean, yeah. you, you've I just mean, experienced yeah, it. Yeah, it was butter smooth. Butter I mean, smooth. There's no frame drops, nothing like that. Exactly. Well, to, to reach that, is a, it's taken about three months. With the, we have to go through intensive baking processes, optimization of code, draw yeah. distance culling on animations. Yeah. Particle effect optimization. I mean, the, the really yeah. genuinely, the list goes on and on. But what we've managed to do is get the same game running on all three platforms. It's yeah. identical. There's the same polygons. There's the same gameplay. The same animations. The same. And that's you know, really great to it's hear. It's identical. A lot of people develop from console and then sample for PC. Yeah. So you've gone the other way around. No, PC first. Sony know their stuff. Unity know their stuff. That a few things have done to help us in that process have made this possible. So single like technical terms, single development pipeline. Yeah rendering and you know all these yeah. things but they've been getting their out together really I mean they've been concentrating on optimizing their own code yeah. you know they've been looking at the way that VR renders so all that you know trying to minimize the amount of latency in the milliseconds yeah. but yeah what it's ended up with is we've got an amazing version of Winlands on yeah. running on the PlayStation as good as the PC you know it's a you know, take you back six hours on normal mode to meet it. It's about a 40 hour game if you were to collect all the hidden things and do all the game. If you were to platinum it, God knows, 60 hours. VR yeah. is an amazing, it's the next stage. It's a yeah. new.
new medium. It's like a, it's going to be the biggest growth area for the next. Yeah, it, well, it will replace VR, uh, non-VR. You know, so well, what do you think? It's your first experiences. What is it? The future or is it? I'm interested to see where it pans out and where it goes, especially with like sort of you know. AAA titles, you know, how sort of those games also get developed into that sort of full-on experience, you know. Yeah, it's changed the game. I imagine the great big art teams working on stuff. And the fact is that shaders, you know, even doing real-time lighting, you know, all these things that we've got used to in, we're sort of, it's like knocking back five years, you know, it's like, but longer probably. It's like going back 10 years to where we used to have to really be sharp on our optimization. You know, people are very proud about running at 60 frames a second right now on the yeah. base station. Let me pull that into parallel for you. We run two renders at 90 frames a second, so we're yeah. doing dub double screens, left and right, yeah. 90 frames per second. It is four times more, and you've got to do that in like a 22 millisecond loop time. Yeah. Otherwise your CPU will bottleneck and you'll skip frames. Yeah. You just can't skip frames in VR, not a single frame. And so it's like, uh, even for the big guys, it's a whole new level of optimization. It's a whole new bar and it's very, very high. And so there's a whole, you know, we've been doing this for three years now. We're really, really good at it. You know, if you've just started learning that VR stuff, we've learned a lot of lessons yeah. and they've got to learn the same lessons. Um, you know, even simple things like telling a story, you can't control the head, you can't pan, depth of field you can't do yeah. um, because, you know, you've got to have the eyesight looking wherever you focus. Yeah. Um, there's, there's just tons of stuff with that have been polished, 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 got to where we've got to. But what's refreshing about that is all those new things are way better. It draws you into the game in a different way. The experiences you get are much more overwhelming. You know, horror in VR is like on a different level. Uh, you can do clever things like gaze cues and the sounds behind walls and things. You've got binaural sound. It really is, uh, you know, the future. And yeah, it, it, everybody's having to learn that. So it's not. It doesn't surprise me there aren't like 50 awesome AAA titles at launch because, frankly, that it's starting again. It's like a new industry reboot. And nobody actually has worked it out yet. There's the filmmakers working that out right now, developers like ourselves and other developers that are ahead of the game, like like uh, Rebellion or whatever, just working out all that. And uh, so the early days are all, you know, it's like going back to the first time you get a PlayStation 1, you know. It's like the very, very early VR stuff is going to be, you know, challenging and, for, uh, and early stuff. But, it, you know, we're getting better and better. Our next games that we're making are up the bar somewhat more as well because we're getting, you know, we're learning what you need to do. And this is great for the experimentation era, which is kind of what happened when the game first went between 2D and 3D. Uh, do you know what? Things are getting stale. Yeah. You know, honestly, every game in here right now has got a number after it, you know. Yeah. You go walk through the AAA department and you're Gears of War 4, you're at Sniper War 4 floor, yeah. you know, GTA 7, you know, it's like it carries yeah. on, you know. Uh, not I GTA, mean, Grand, uh, Grand yeah. Turismo. But, and it's great to see Windows. I mean, it's, it's a non- FPS, which is a really good thing for it. Yeah, it's is. different, isn't it? You know, no you hear nobody's here. Yeah, I like to think Windlands is a completely new and fresh type of game, and that VR is good about that. It's yeah. bringing something like that's never been done before. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody's done this, and it still works. So that's great. And I'm hoping that, well, I say hoping, I know that VR is bringing new stuff out that is completely fresh and refreshing. Indies are, we're, we're studying the indie section now and there's hundreds of indie developers here. It's almost as big as the AAA section's yeah. deck It's exciting and people do want that difference. And, and, what, and the niche bits in this area as well, you know, it, there's something to appeal to everyone. And, you know, I walked around here, I saw a game yesterday called 88 Heroes, that was awesome, Snake Pass is awesome. And I, I'd like to think Winlands is a, is a broader appeal than most, but the, equally, you know, I don't expect it to be for everyone. 
it, it's wonderful that there's a big enough gaming community now that people can go out and make experiences that, that yeah. appeal to, to the right Yeah, you can aim for that niche audience of yeah. who you want to play. I mean, to me, it appeals very much. They don't have much time for gaming. They don't have time to spend learning maps and playing more. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's game. only so many shooting things you can do before it's just another shooter. Yeah. There's only so many platformers before it's just another platformer. And, yeah. yeah, I want us to be creative as a company as well. We're trying to be creative with our next games and just invent the bar. Um, but, you know, there's no denying we take, take draw and inspiration of games like Super Mario in our case. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shadow of Gloss, I mean, um, the, uh, maybe Journey. You know, we're bringing yeah. all these influences in from great games and then building our own interpretations and building our own games out. I did feel when I was playing it there was almost like a Super Mario 64 vibe to it a little bit. I kind of got that a little bit. I'm proud of that. I think it's, you know, I remember stood in a, in a game store. No, actually it was a Virgin store when they did computer games. They don't anymore, sadly. But the, and, and seeing Mario 64 for the first time and having a go on it. And, and you know, I brought that console for that game. You know, it was an epic game. And it, there was this transformative moment of, wow, you know, yeah. 3D. Uh, and I feel the same with VR. And, I, I, you know, a lot of people do. That you go, you, it's the same sort of moment of, like, this is the next level of platforming. I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people are on the fence about it. And and quite rightly so, because there's some poor experiences that put people off and there are things that don't work that well because we're still learning. But there's enough really amazing stuff now that, and, and hopefully you get to try more and more about it, uh, that you'll play and then you'll go, bam, you know, that's amazing. And you'll just, you'll be absolutely overwhelmed with it. Uh, Gnomes and Goblins recently out by a really good, good, good Wii VR and, and a really, really amazing director. You know, I, actually I could go on, there's so many great games. Uh, but the point is there's enough amazing content now that is overwhelmingly incredible experiences that the more and more people play, you know, it's not all out in the public space. It's really expensive to buy Oculus and, and Vive right now, mainly because of the CPU but the headsets aren't cheap either. PlayStation's gonna transform, you know. It will be in your living room. Your friends will have this. You'll be able to go, go and have a quick go. And you'll be able to, and some of the content I've played uh, uh, is just really cool content. And it's only gonna get better. As a glasses wearer, that's one of the big worries that I had with when you, if you think of VR headsets and right, anything over the face, it's kind of, if you've got glasses nine times yeah. out of 10, it's not This suitable. is perfect for that. And this is perfect for that, I mean, they developed the VR console quite well with the way that it's... Was this your first time with the PlayStation VR? Yeah, first time with the PlayStation VR. And what do you think of the hardware? I think it was really, really impressive, considering it's running on a three-year-old console now. I, I'm not sure, maybe maybe even five. <laughs> but yeah, look, yeah, this is running on a bug-standard PlayStation. Yeah. There's nothing special about it. If you've already got a PlayStation for at home today, this is what yeah. it's running on. And it's really impressive to see that kind of optimization development. Yeah. They said you're in a night frame second twice. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Very impressive for an yeah. older generation. Yeah, 180 frames per second in less than 20 milliseconds. It's yeah. it's impressive if you can do it at all, but it doesn't. The game doesn't suffer. The graphics are great. You know, we go for a low polygon and cartoony world to try. Yeah. And so, what's your prediction with PlayStation VR? I'm interested. Oh yeah, I really want to see what PlayStation Pro is going to bring to that. So mm. going up a level, there's going to be a lot more. Yeah, I think there's going to be games that maybe only... Yeah. Well, actually, Sony have said that you can't do pro only. You've got yeah. to support both. But there will be games, VR games, that will run smoother, and take yeah. advantage of the pro version. Might uh, slightly better yeah. graphics. Yeah. Slightly better graphics. Or, you know, I really want to see uh, games people love yeah. uh, being made, you know, like FIFA and VR and things yeah. like that, because it will adopt masses. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fans I of those things imagine. will at least want to play it. And what I think is exciting about that as well is that there'll be a turning point where enough people have headsets that they'll start demanding, yeah. and the pressure on uh, you know the if you really yeah if you release 
you know, Gears of War 5 and it hasn't got VR support, yeah. right? Then there'll be a backlash of people saying, yeah. where's the VR support? Where's the VR support? Where's the VR? Yeah. And the pressure will build on everybody. And the, and the more and more headsets will be out there in the market and it'll become a viable market for sales. But I imagine that there'll be some type of more between, you know, people having PlayStation Pro and then, the, you know, future yeah. stuff. But there'll be people that, a lot of games will have VR modes. Yeah. So they'll probably have the flat, you know, flat, I call it classic mode now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the non-VR classic mode yeah. and then VR support and then eventually they'll just release VR. VR support it. with classic mode at the back yeah. Or maybe no classic mode anymore, just don't. don't. I think as well that it seems that PlayStation have been developing this for a while now, so yeah. the titles are going to be there when it launches, whereas when the PS4 actually launched as an early adopter, there wasn't much to go with to begin with, so like that it got to a slow start, but I think this yeah. might take up a bit more titles available whereas the PS4 yeah. came out there's like a handful of titles 15 yeah. 20 titles which you know I think well, yeah there should be 50 this year um, and yeah that's it do you know I'm, we're just proud being in the middle of that group of people I've played a lot of uh, and I know a lot of the other developers making PlayStation games to meet them at events and things do you know it's we're a very close-knit community we support each other we help each other out and we just want to see VR the VR community is amazing indie community is amazing we just want to see everybody just wants to see everybody able to make enough success to make the next game you know it's that's why we're all here value customers really you know every single purchase helps us do something more um so and it all works really well that ecosystem is really we're and proud to be in it and it's great to see the scenes kicked off to this kind of level so you've got steam green light whatever they call it now yeah we, well we've been through that whole thing we've yeah. got We've had an Indiegogo and a Kickstarter for two of our games. Yeah. We've gone through the green light process with both games prior yeah. to the VR stuff. Been through that yeah. whole indie track, and uh, you know it's it's amazing. It's a it's a great experience, and um, and it puts you know, the power back to people who want to see these games being developed. Exactly, and we can make you know uh, hopefully we can make bigger and better games next. Yeah. I mean, if you look at well, Tim Schafer with Double Fine Studios, that kind of I think that one of the turning points where we can say. A big studio can say we want to make this game yeah we can't support it with a publisher do you want to make it happen and a lot of people now want to say yes i want to see this kind yeah, of game yeah, well, yeah. and uh, well yeah and vr's taking this like yeah. i say a diversion now you know we're, we're doing completely fresh completely new new things yeah. whole new medium and it's just the start really thank you very much for taking the time today no, it's my pleasure. Today. Really good love with the radio show. I, I, yes. It sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to tuning in myself. Uh, where can we find more information about Winlands online? Yeah, winlands.com. Just check that out. And uh, we're on Steam and Oculus today, so yeah. check it out. It's a great game. And you're on Twitter as well, at Winlands yeah, and at, at, at Cytech. Yeah. At Winlands under slash game, at Cytech Games. Yeah. yeah, we're active on Twitter. We occasionally do uh, competitions, giveaways, things like that. So yeah, watch that space. And that was John Hibbins from Winlands, who we had a quick chat to about Egypt at the Future of VR. Very interesting on hearing a developer's view on what VR is going to be in the future. It was. Yes. It even made you buy one, didn't it? Yeah, so I got a bee in my bonnet when we went to e e EGX, and I was sort of like, oh my god, I need this item in my life. So I went home, I braided my record collection, got a nice little pile of money together, and bought one. Didn't you have a little mishap with it though, pretty much immediately? Yeah, so it took me about like 40 minutes to set the thing up, which was a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I got it going, it was like, oh my god, I'm under the sea, this is fantastic. One minute in, I hear a smash on the floor, I was like, well, this is, this is bloody realistic. I took the headset off, <laughs> there was a smashed glass on the floor, so... Oops. It, yeah, it's, uh, it's such a surreal it's experience. too realistic for you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I found myself, like, in various weird positions in my living room. Like, at one point I was against the wall and I wasn't sure how I got there. 
and I was walking into chairs. It was just it's so surreal. To... This sounds like something to buy for someone you live with, and you just sit there and laugh at them, wander around the house looking like a weirdo for an hour. Well, I tell you what. Last night I took it to my girlfriend's house, and I put I gave it to her mum and dad to have a go on. And we were watching her mum do it, and she was like playing the undersea demo, and she was like reaching out trying to touch like fish under the sea and stuff like that. Obviously, you can't touch them, but it was just really watching funny watching her sort of gra- like grab the air and stuff <laughs> like that, and like peering over and. Just look, just genuinely quite a bizarre experience. Like my girlfriend's dad got scared because like a shark came up like up towards him, so he like jumped backwards and then he knocked us all over. And it's just, uh, it's very surreal. I mean, I'm impressed so far. Um, I did get motion sick quite quickly. <laughs> Um, that's one of the main faults with it is you've got to get used to it. Yeah. yeah. So anybody like thinks of VR like the lawnmower man age of VR when it was very very basic graphics, mm. David's laughing in the corner there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, exactly what I thought it would be like. How would you describe your opinion on how much it's changed now it's this new version that I mean it's a bit more realistic. Like graphically the games aren't like spectacular. they I would say they're sort of PS3 graphic style. You're not gonna be top of the range. And I think the quality mm. of the games at the moment, they're not you know they're more experiences than games at the moment. There's no killer AAA title which is a selling point for this, but I think if you're curious by it, like I was, there's much to find here. Like the little fun games, like there's a game called Headmaster where you have to head balls into a goal. It's simple and it's effective, but the thing is you get hooked on it. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's nice. Like Battlezone is one I've been playing. It's like, that's almost like being in Tron. It's great. But um, there's more games I need to try yet, like Batman and Until Dawn. But yeah, I recommend it if you can get one this side of Christmas, but... Also, buy some drama mean to go with it as well. <laughs> it sort of seems almost like a lot of the the experimentation with it as a, as a medium is being done by smaller independent studios. That mm. might just be my perception from outside. I'm not a gamer, I'll admit, but it does seem to be that these are the people who are messing around with it to try and do something yeah. a bit different, which is cool. I yeah. quite like that. We, when we spoke to Johnny, he says it's pretty much um, AAA gaming studios been concentrating on getting the graphics as realistic as possible mm. and concentrating so much on the 2D. They're years behind on the 3D stuff, so this is where the indie get games get a chance to shine mm. to a certain yeah. extent because they have that kind of three years worth of knowledge because they've been playing around with VR since Oculus Rift launched and they're going to get a bit of a jump on the big studios. Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to see a lot of independent games pull through on it, but I also think that the, the big studios will start trying things out now. I mean, there's the danger this could be a fad, it could be a gimmick, and I could have spent a lot of money on it on a, on a gimmick, <laughs> but... Um, yeah. No, that's not at all possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's been around a little while, and I know... Um, yeah. I, try, I can't think of the name of the games competition now, but it's completely gone out of my head, so I should do my research before I come they on. They had Oxalus the, Jam, and they've... No, uh, there's a smaller lot, but they're getting lots of smaller studios, but there's a, a small... I don't know if the company even exists anymore, but did have some friends of mine in it at the time, Raptor Games, who uh, were... actually got the nominated for the BAFTAs One to Watch Award a few years ago, and they built a game using the Oculus Rift, which mm. was like a zombie-based game. I think yeah. part of what makes it so terrifying is that it's attached to your face so you can't get away from it <laughs> but people have been messing around with it for a little while I think it's just it's now starting to trickle into kind of more general awareness rather than it being something yeah. that only I mean, the raw hardcore gamers are, are messing with and now you've got three platforms so you've got PlayStation VR you've got HTC Vive out there who's partnered up with Steam and you've got Oculus Rift so there's quite I think this is a really good thing for it. Now there's some competition, it's going to accelerate it a little bit more with the development. I think the PlayStation One, it's got, it's got to do a lot to push it through. I mean, I haven't seen any television adverts, adverts for it, which is strange, but I also think that's probably due to the pre-orders and it's being sold on pre-orders. So, yeah. But I think they've really got to push it. I mean, it's lower, lower spec technology, so 
But if they keep pushing and they stand by it, then hopefully when, by the time PS5 comes out and the next Xbox, this will be a standard thing that comes with it. So mm-hmm. I'm all for it. I hope it get, carries on. And I'll give you more feedback when I've played some more of the games and been sick a lot more. Cool. Right, anyway, we're going to wrap up. Thanks very much for everybody coming in. Thanks for all our special interviews this week. And we'll be back next week with a little bit more from the Star Trek Destination. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.